Okay, we're recording. We're recording? Yeah. We're live. Start anytime we want. No, I like it. And then you can just trim it down as we go. Exactly. Perfect. Well, welcome to the first ever Be The Change as podcast. I as spill all over myself. That's, that's the best way to start it right there. Get some so TV nervous. on your shirt. Yeah. Um, yes, this is the first ever Be The Change podcast. We'll see if that name sticks and then we'll go from there. Um, how are you guys feeling? You excited? Excited and nervous. Yeah, you know what, after, what, spending the last hour and a half here trying to figure out troubleshooting for this, these damn microphones. Yeah. You know what, I'm excited, yeah. I'm excited that this is working. There we go. <laughs> you gotta start somewhere, right? Um, yeah, really excited to, to start something new, I think is always the great thing. Um, maybe a little bit of background on the Be The Change group. I'm sure Colin can help us out with this. Jason's been a recent addition to the group. True, but uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit of background. So this is uh, a group that I organized through a meetup.com website and basically decided there was a lack in my own life of just having inspiring conversations with other like-minded people. And I'd had experiences through university. And even when you sit down at a coffee shop sometimes and you get into it with somebody and you really learn about their experiences, I find it just lends itself to learning about life and our existence on this planet. And I just found that it was, it was necessary and, and something that I really wanted to do to get group, a group together and just discuss our experiences as especially young professionals, but also just our experiences through life and basically what we want to accomplish and even some of the hardships that we've been through as well. Uh, it all stemmed a little bit, I would say from two places. One was a a Jen Sincero book, You Are a Badass, something, something, something. But one of the things that it said was, put down this book and start something right now. And that same day I was listening to Joe Rogan talk to Russell Brand on his podcast. So yeah, we're, we're going way outside the box on this one. But uh, I found they had such an inspirational just message through that. And it Russell Brand was somebody who kind of seen the bottom of the bottom and the tops of the tops and become a celebrity. But uh, just their conversation really spoke to me. And it, I went, I want to have more of these conversations where you get past just the niceties and the, hey, how are you doing when you're crossing somebody's path at work? And uh, so flash forward to about a month later, I'd planned a meetup group. And Colin was actually at that first one. And leaving that, I just felt really amazing that we'd started something new. And it went much better than I expected, especially going into a room of, of people I'd never met before. So I was inspired. And, and so we've kept up that discussion group monthly since, and even looking at ways that we can expand this group into making a positive change in the community and, and in society in general. So that's maybe the goal of the group and also a little bit of this podcast. But maybe, Colin, you could speak a little bit about your experience and kind of what drew you to the group, and uh, what keeps you coming back? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think you, uh, well, you pretty much touched on it. Um, I just, you know, um, I have some kind of some issues in my life, you know, um, like, and it was kind of nice to see that you created a group um, that, you know, where we can all kind of have that discussion um, and kind of talk about things that are, you know, that we're struggling with and that's kind of things that are, that are important to us. And it's, you know, having that, a group of people that 
we can actually talk to and and open up to where we're not judged and we're not is kind of what keeps me going to the groups and keeps me coming back and you know knowing that i have a group of people that have been through similar stuff that i've been through um, yeah is just really really um rewarding to you know to have that group and to keep to keep coming back yeah and that that was something i hoped to accomplish with it i didn't really know what to expect going in but the fact that it that it's become kind of a safe place for people to just be able to talk and share their opinions and we've had people share very intimate stories about their lives and their struggles and even their family um but the fact that we can share that and and sometimes even personally i felt like you bottle things up too much and it just becomes overwhelming so when you can share with other people and you just have that sense of community and that sense of care where just people actually they want to know they'll listen and you have that sense where we're all in this together and we're all here to help each other and and to be successful together and whatever whatever that means to each individual right i think we all define that success in a different way but getting to that spot is 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 always rewarding what about you jace i know you're here because i i basically invited you but you wrote me into this so yeah. that's that's why i'm here now um you know what um i'm always, i mean when we work together for the brief amount of period that we worked together <laughs> Uh, I, we learned quite a bit about each other and we had some good two hour conversations and I feel like we both of us kind of um, are on the same level on some point in terms of just in terms of personal development and just always bettering ourselves and even just today you were talking about uh, the crazy workout routine that you're about to start <laughs> yeah. and uh, just stuff like that it blows my mind at the same time I, f I think you're crazy but I love it at the same time and <laughs> And that idea and bringing that into an, a format that you can deliver to other people that could possibly help someone else develop themselves or change themselves for the better, that, to me, that speaks to me because that's why I do what I do. And I'm, I'm a personal trainer, so and my whole job is about helping people better themselves, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm here in a nutshell. <laughs> and I kind of knew that going in, too, that we were on that same mental plane and that you would be responsive. And I knew you had that drive to help people as well. So I just, I knew it was a perfect fit. And the funny thing about us working together was we had known each other previous. We played dodgeball together. Right. And I always felt like we were, you know, when you feel that, that unspoken connection with somebody, but until it becomes spoken, you don't know that you necessarily have that connection. Right. Yeah. But then when we started working together and we started having those conversations, I realized how intelligent and how how driven and, and just that your opinions were were very similar, but you had so much education and so much, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but you just had so much to offer in that conversation. I remember there was one other person in the room being like, I just like <laughs> being a fly in the wall for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, so when it kind of came up, and funny enough, it wasn't my idea initially to, to start this podcast. Uh, it was one of the other group members, Benjamin, who's unfortunately homesick today. So get well soon, Ben. <laughs> I, I'm guessing by the time you hear this, you'll be healthy again. So um, we wish you the best and we'll yeah. see you here next time. But uh, yeah, it was actually his idea to start broadcasting these conversations. And funny enough, it I wanted things to evolve naturally. So I kind of, I had maybe had an inclination that it would end up being some sort of discussion where we recorded and, and we, and we, 
we gave this audio to people around us too to hopefully learn from and to gain some insight from but uh it was benjamin that said well why don't we podcast this why don't we get a group together and we start recording these conversations and i went kind of went that not aha moment but more of a duh moment we we might as well start this and get something together so it's been it's been a process of planning and getting things together and and making sure we're ready but it's kind of nice that it's finally here and we're we're recording after you well, know the here, yeah, still coming together, it, right? But yeah, it, yeah it's, we can finally get something going, put something down on paper, right? And and for you listeners, it'll be a, a trial and error for the first bit, and I'm sure it'll be a learning process. But um, we're excited that you're listening because if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna strive to get better every time, and we're hopefully gonna lend some some insight to our lives and and hopefully to yours as well as we go. Um, maybe to start out, I know we haven't even introduced ourselves yet. Uh, so first off, I'm Riley Coates. Um, we'll talk a little bit about maybe our backgrounds as professionals, um, and maybe just a quick story about what has, maybe an experience that has led us to where we are today. Uh, so I'll, I'll pass it to Jace here first and maybe just introduce yourself and tell us a story. You don't want to tell your story first? No, you know what? I'll, I'll saving save the mine. best for last. Okay, got it. <laughs> Whatever, you know. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, so yeah, my name is Jace. Uh, I'm a personal trainer. I actually work for Good Life Fitness. Um, I'm also an aspiring filmmaker slash director. Um, and when typically I tell my clients who sign up with me in personal training that um, they're like, "Oh, what background do you have?" I tell them, "Oh, I'm film and theater." <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, that has nothing to do with personal training, but in in my opinion, it does, or it has, it has something to do with bettering yourself. And I kind of, kind of touched base on that a little bit. And so, where I come from is, um, I used to be very unmotivated growing up. I played a lot of video games. Um, I was very overweight. Uh, I was borderline um, diabetic. My doctor told me I needed to change. Um, I was three hundred fifty five pounds at the time. And I knew I needed to change. It's just I blamed everyone except myself. I blamed my parents. I blamed my friends. I blamed the government of all things, <laughs> <laughs> anything and everything. Right? You're not incentivizing this enough. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it just came to the point where I had to realize that it's I was where I was because of me and the choices I made, and not anyone else. And it led to a place of anger. And I one day punched a hole in the wall, almost broke my hand. Um, I went for a three-hour walk in the rain. And it's crazy that I can pinpoint the exact moment in my life where that change began to happen. And that walk in the rain, that punch in the hole, that was the beginning of change. That was the beginning, beginning of me going through the steps of grief for my own life, not for like a loss of anything, um, just for my lack of doing anything productive, right? And that step of anger led to acceptance that I was where I was because of me and no one else. And so I started running every day after that. The next day I got up at 6 a.m., ran a block and died. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and the next day, same thing until I got to two blocks and three blocks and then one kilometer, two kilometers, all the way up to 10 kilometers, lost 150 pounds over a year and a half and became a marathon runner. 100% by running um, and, and eating better, obviously. Um, there are caveats that came with it too. I be um, I didn't eat well, like I <laughs> cut back so much on eating. I started blacking out stuff like that. 
but I became obsessed with change anyways. So always bettering myself and pushing myself further. And from that is where I got introduced into the Coast Guard. Um, and then through the Coast Guard is when I start going to the gym and started kind of uh, lifting, weightlifting, as opposed to just running. And I've made a lot of mistakes through my life. And, um, and that's kind of what brought me here and to where I am today as a personal trainer um, and as an aspiring filmmaker is that I love what film can do. Um, I love that film can inspire change in people uh, for better or for worse. And um, I see that in fitness as well. And I saw my change through fitness. So my goal, my whole goal at the end, like in the end is to combine those two aspects together. To use fitness and filmmaking to show other people and help other people uh, develop themselves, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And very similar to, to my story as well. But we'll, we'll head to Colin over here. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a story that's led you to where you are today. Um, I'm, I'm Colin Kruger. Um, I currently working as a parts inventory controller for a heavy truck dealership. Uh, what led me there was actually because I was working for a similar company uh, just down the street from where I am now. I uh, was doing eight years there. I was doing IT support and because uh, that's, I, I had went to school for that. I'd taken some courses on IT, uh, computer programming. So I got hired on there and um, I was doing that for eight years, but uh, I was, I kind of made the decision after the sixth or seventh year that it, you know, it was time for me to move on. I wanted to, to do something else. Um, I knew I wanted to stay in the office uh, kind of administration type of work because of my background in IT. Um, so I, I actually didn't get the position that I'm currently in um, right away. I actually just started out as the parts delivery driver. I did that for three months, and then I was actually moved into the uh, shipper receiver position. And uh, then again, they they liked my work, so they promoted me into the parts inventory controller position that I'm in now. Uh, I I don't know if it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, it's which is kind of why I've joined this group, you know, in hopes of um, you know the to be the change and as we talk about the, the career, you know, the career goals and the career, uh, career paths and in hopes that I'll uh, kind of figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. And yeah, no, I definitely think it's a process where you got to figure out as you go and, and there's so much room for change in your own life too. I even think it's something that we might talk about a little bit later on just you know, the different paths you might go down in career and life and, and how it sometimes takes failing at something to realize another thing you're really passionate about and, and driving towards. And I know I'll get into that probably a little bit with my story. Hopefully I don't go on too, too long because I like to talk sometimes. But we uh, call in anything else that. So what kind of, what is the change you're hoping to make in the world and what are you, how do you think you'll get there? Um, I just... Well, I, I want to first start with uh, a positive change for my own life. And because I think if you have happiness within your own life, then, you know, it's easy to, you know, to pass that on to others, to make others. Yeah. 
No, I, I've felt the same way where it's, I, I've started to measure it a little bit differently and, and say fulfillment is what I'm looking for. So, and fulfillment involves being challenged with what you're trying to accomplish in career. It means having those things, those physical pursuits that push you to be stronger, uh, having intellectual pursuits, being well-read, um, and just making sure you're pushing yourself mentally to the next levels. Uh, and even in relationships, just making sure that you harness positive relationships and just people that genuinely care for you and want the best for you at the end of the day. Because um, I know I've been through, you, you hit bottoms at different times. You bottom out and you hit those negative points in life. And I think you live long enough, you're bound to hit that, where you, you hit that point where you say, I'm not going to accept this anymore in whatever venue, in whatever whatever place you are in life. And that's when the rebuild can happen. So that's why I see so much in your story, Jace, where I've been there and I would say at least twice in my life that I can remember. So are anything else to add before I get fully on into it? No, I'll let you have the floor. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's where I'll start. So the first bottom out that I hit, so my, my um, background is mostly through sport and recreation. I ended up taking uh, a recreation management and community development degree at the University of Manitoba. Uh, my background is largely in football. So that was the thing that, that pushed me. I grew up in a hockey-driven family, and we all kind of found our own pursuits. And football was really the thing that pushed me to want to be better. And that's what gravitated, that's what made me gravitate towards it. I ended up switching high schools and basically feeling a half step behind everyone around me. So I had to learn the training aspect. I had to push myself. I had to get better. And we had the, the best running back in probably the entire league on our team. And that was the position I played. So it was, it was that competition and just wanting to get better. And I was there through grade 10 and grade 11 and started to feel like a, a decent player by the end of grade 11, but really dedicated myself towards training that year. And I came back and I didn't get the starting role, but I happened to play offense, defense, and most special teams. So I made my, I made my difference and we ended up winning a championship that year, which was an amazing experience in itself. And that was always the goal from my first day there and to see two teams have a lot of talent, but not get there. And, and then that last year to win was the culmination of all that and was a really amazing point. Then flash forward, I played my first year of junior football. I didn't feel I was necessarily ready or talented enough to then play university straight out of high school. As a lot of, especially at that time, not a lot of guys made that jump right away. And so I played, played junior football for the Rifles here. And I ended up getting hurt in the preseason and fracturing my ankle. And at that time, I wasn't working because I had it in my head that I was going to be a football player. I wasn't in school and just not really accomplishing much. I lived at home with my parents, played a lot of video games. And so it was devastating to get injured and to, yes, football was my passion. And then that got taken away for a full season because I hurt myself and well, I didn't hurt myself. Somebody fell on my ankle. But besides the point. It's <laughs> somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's fault, right? Blame someone else. But I'd never been through that serious an injury before. And being on the couch for about eight weeks with a cast on and then 
moved to a walking boot and just feeling like you're not accomplishing anything. That was maybe the first time where I went, I need to do something. So that winter, that was about in late August, early September, I got injured. Uh, I got a job in December working for the Liquor Commission. And then I started classes just out of interest because I didn't know what I wanted to take in university and started taking courses and then trained, got healthy, kind of got back into it, ended up getting hurt again the next year. But I at least had those other things, those other passions that that drove me to be better um, to to kind of to at least drive me and and be better in that in that venue. So, yeah. And then it ended up I took that recreation management and community development degree. I ended up working for a professional sports organization within the city, running a lot of youth programming. And it was just that sense of giving back and seeing other people enjoy, especially football, the sport that I loved, and and to have those great experiences. And it was living for those small moments, just seeing a kid throw a ball for the first time and see some excitement. I think that just drove me to be like, this is, I, I always wanted to help people, but I think that's that's still something today that I really believe in. And that's what I want to accomplish with this in my career and just with my life. And I think that's what I want to devote myself to. So that's a little bit about me. I didn't even start out. My name's Riley Coates <laughs> and I'm currently a documentation associate at, uh, at a private wealth firm and soon to be taking an executive director role at a local community center in Winnipeg here as well. So I'm excited for what the future holds and, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about us podcasters here. We can now say that term with a little bit of pride. <laughs> um, yeah. So what uh, state of the nation? That's, that's maybe where we'll start. So what it means to be a young professional in this world and in Canada and maybe the opportunities that we have here and what we think of, of the, current, the current education realm in this country as well. And this country being Canada? This country being Canada. I think I mentioned <laughs> Canada, but oh, okay. that's, I we are sure. in Canada, but North America, I think there are parallels between the two. Sure, but very key differences between um, the two of us. We don't have mass school shootings constantly in Canada. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not, to, not to be so grim on the, the starting note of that, but in terms of uh, that's been a huge deal in the States lately. Yeah. And, and it's really telling, actually, once they do research on it, just the causes and the things that are happening and the overprescribing of, of all sorts of drugs from drug companies and, and from, from whether it's psychologists or doctors or, yeah. you know, it, I, don't, I don't necessarily know the statistics offhand, but I know it's a high percentage where there have been anti antidepressants, whether going on antidepressants or going off them. Um, involved in in the lives of the people that have committed these horrific crimes and these school shootings, um, and then we look at things like the opioid crisis, yeah. uh, people eating Tide pods, which oh, doesn't yeah. necessarily lend itself to to the school shootings, but it just seems we're in this place where life is getting so much easier, but now we're constructing it seems our own issues, and and we're. It's almost a. It seems a case of boredom, and people aren't people aren't living that fulfilled life. They aren't living that challenge, and really feeling just in charge of their own lives anymore. I find it interesting that you you bring up the the term of boredom. 
um, in all of that too, which is, um, especially in this day and age, I find, and I almost hate to say this, um, I find hard to believe that anyone can be bored. Yeah. Um, if I could live a thousand lives, I would be learning different languages and reading all these books that I could. And just the fact that, that we have these tiny devices that fit into our, our size of the palm of our hands that fit in our pockets that have access to any information at any given point in time throughout the day. How I, I don't personally understand how someone can be bored in this day and age. So yeah. it's, and I think on the flip side, maybe life has become easier in a sense, but I feel like it's also become harder because we also, everyone has more eyes on them all the time, right? Everyone has a camera on their phone. Everyone's, not everyone, but almost everyone's associated to some sort of social media. And that's how they associate to their friends, right? So if that wrong message is uh, presented on social media, then that becomes, that's almost a, a form of bullying towards them where in the past, maybe when you and I were in high school and elementary school, that was done in person. Nothing would be posted online for the world to see, right? Yeah. It would be contained within our small community. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult, especially at the young ages. I, there might have been a better term than boredom because I do think that we're over... There's so many stimuli and there's so many things to do that... that but I don't think you're wrong either. I think people are bored, but because they don't know... they're. They're so bombarded by all this information all the time that they don't know what to do with it. I, the, the socialization skills and, and just even being able to have conversations in front of people, that was even another reason I wanted to start these is just having conversations face-to-face -face with people and sitting down and doing it. Because oftentimes we just put our blinders on, we look at our phone, we go on social media. Yeah, you're bored. Maybe you're reading a book. But oftentimes, I know growing up, I kind of felt I was on the cusp of that because I, I played video games. I had an Xbox. I, I had a phone from the time I was in high school, but I played computer games. I played Super Nintendo. I, I always needed something to do. For sure. I think, I, I think all three of us can speak that we were on the cusp of that, yeah. right? Growing up, like technology was just starting to take hold. Yeah. yeah. Where it is now, like, like that's where they're born into, right? I mean, everybody's born with the... You with, know, like they don't know any better, yeah. right? I like the expression. Uh, my aunt actually said this, and I don't know if it came from somewhere else. Everyone's born with an iPad in their hands. Yeah, like essentially, I mean, it's almost the truth. Like you see a lot of parenting, uh, parenting techniques that include, oh, hey, you're being cranky. Here's a tablet, right? Yeah, I can't. It's like you go in a grocery store and you see everybody's playing with tablets. The you know the eight-year-olds or even younger than that have tablets so they have their phone did they have their parents phones they're playing with i mean they're you know this is what they're born into right they don't know any better so yeah no yeah so kids yeah they're essentially born with tablets or some sort of device in their hands it it lends to um and, it, and it's a form of escapism pretty much right it's at you're giving you're teaching a kid to be in a constant form of escape always since the time they're young whereas when we grew up, it was, well, you had to go home and watch TV, and that was your form of escapism. You had to go home and play video games. Yeah. Um, but when you're in school, you're in school. Now, kids, it's like your phones are on you. They're going to find a way to use those phones or those tablets or those devices while in class as well, right? So it just splits that attention even more, right? There's, that attention is constantly being split and multiplied. And I think directions. it's taking away, I mean, touching on what Riley said, it's taking away from the 
you know, the having a real conversation. People don't know yeah. how to have the real conversations anymore it's, because everybody lives on their phones, right? They're with the social media and all the... Yeah, I think, I think the definition of a real conversation has changed. I think in, like in the most recent generation, they would probably agree that a, a more real conversation would be had on their phones rather than in person. Where maybe you and I would not agree with that sentiment, but I feel like as we move into the future, that's going to become more and more apparent. I think there's always a place for a real conversation because just in terms of effectiveness of communication, having an in-person conversation is always going to be the most effective. And because you can see, they say 90% of conversation <laughs> is nonverbal cues. So physically, what, how you're reacting, yeah. you know, your... Your, um, your facial recognition of what they're kind of emoting. And so, so much of that's lost, you know. Um, even if you go FaceTime, you can see the person, but you likely can't see their whole body. You, you no. can't see, and even tone might get lost or who knows, right? There's so many different things at play. And then there's... Not the, to mention that in front of a camera, people tend to, um, what's the word, to their actions become lighter than they would in person. It's weird. It's a weird uh, yeah. phenomenon where if you put a camera in front of someone, it doesn't matter if it's a full on TV camera, film camera, or just your phone camera. If someone's on film, their body language tones down. I forget by what percentage, but there, I wish I knew the study <laughs> and where the, I had a link to it, but I don't. So yeah. I'm kind of pulling this off the top of my head, but there's a study somewhere <laughs> that says that uh, basically, yeah, when you point a camera at someone, there's less body language involved because they people freeze up. And so that can play into things like FaceTime or Skype or yeah. video calling, right? And then you just go down the list with telephones. You're losing any kind of visual interaction. And then with text, it seems we've, we've come this way and, and now emojis are such a big part of, of every single text because you want somebody to know the tone is always light. It's not, it's not really serious. And... I think everybody knows the way their parents or their dad texts. My mom's actually gotten really good with emojis, <laughs> and it's it's funny because she's 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 gotten pretty prominent with an iPad and an iPhone to just be able to be kind of goofy with it and and even be uh, up to date with her with her emojis and mannerisms. But my dad still texts exactly how you'd expect. <laughs> Four words or less most times, but if it's got to be drawn out, I am here. Come now, okay? I, <laughs> yeah, you know. I, that's what you get just from has it. this list of six responses. It's one of yeah. those six. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically what it is. But something's just lost throughout that process, and it's we almost have to get back to a more just natural dialogue, and we have to take away those devices. I mean, we've really only had these as part of our life since we were born. Essentially, it's been that steady incline to it's become such a big part of society and our. I remember you used to have to phone somebody's mom before you, you know, the, their mom would pick up before you could ever the talk to them. The good old days, that's what yeah. I call that. Exactly. And now it seems that people's worth is measured more so the likes they get on social media, whether it's Instagram or their Facebook posts, than actually the, the content of their character. Yeah. And I think we need to get back to that, especially in North America. I know there's certain places that are maybe a little bit better with that. But in North America, just what is this person made of at the, 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 what are their core values? What are they, are they a good person? 
And it's so tough to measure that now when it's, it seems that the game's changing to where it doesn't matter. It matters more the, the physical appearance or maybe, you know, saying some kind of inspirational quote from Marilyn Monroe so that you get likes as opposed to actually having these critical thoughts and discussions and opinions for yourself. Yeah. It just seems so saturated more so than ever before. Uh, it definitely does. Um, and it's, I don't know, I feel like it's unfortunate that, but at the same time, um, and I'm trying to, who's the, who's the actor that was in The Dark Tower, that movie that... Dark Tower. And, I remember The Dark Knight Rises, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I can't remember his name. I'm terrible at pulling names up on the spot, but he, he said something along the lines of, um, the millennials are a generation that are more connected than ever, but don't know how to communicate it. In so many ways, they're more connected, yeah. but in so many ways, they're less connected than ever before. Yeah, it's ironic, right? Yeah. They're more connected, the more ways to communicate. However, we don't know how to communicate. Strange. I wonder if there'll just be a cord that connects us all eventually. <laughs> we just go from there. Because yeah. it seems that, in a way, that's what's happening. We're, which, we're, which iOS update is going to have yeah. the uh, connect my emotions into <laughs> connect my the brain to them? Yeah, but uh, yeah, in terms of education too, I know that they're using things like iPads in classes to enhance learning. But again, it's so new. It's it's wondering if this is really an effective way of of helping people learn. Or there's again, there's something lost. In terms of, it's nice having a, a book in front of you to actually read sometimes. You don't have that screen. You don't have constant distractions. Yeah. You don't have games on that same device. You just sit down with a book and you learn from somebody historically or somebody's experience or even in fiction. Sometimes fiction, there's more truth than fiction, right? Because you can, you can ex provide the reader with exactly what you want the message to be. Whereas sometimes the real story, it's, it's tough to tough to actually have that message shine through as much but 100%. yeah so in your eyes what makes canada different and special as a country and as a uh, as a place of living and for work uh we say sorry a lot that is something that i've consciously tried to stop doing because <laughs> i've noticed it and it seems and not to seem it, it just is a sign of weakness to always be apologetic it's it, it's, it's a sign of strength to actually be confident in what you're saying and what you're doing and not to be off-putting and mean to people, but we shouldn't be as apologetic because we are great people. There's so many great Canadians around, and I know through my experiences and <laughs> meeting them that that's true. And there's some assholes. There are some people that are, so you know, do you do you think that's a Canadian thing, though, the, the apologetic thing, or is that just a stereotype that was put in place by other countries? Well, I do believe... I mean, it has to come from somewhere, We right? say sorry a lot. Somebody walks past you in the gym locker room and... Oh, I know. There's I, only I say sorry all the time. And they say but, sorry. And I... You, you can... You'll have... I mean, yeah. there... I mean, maybe Canada's more apologetic than the rest of the world, but, I mean, there's going to be outliers, say, in the U.S. That there's going to be that type of person. Like, I know I'm apologetic. I say sorry way too much. I try to, like you, catch myself and not say it as often. Yeah. Um, not only that, it's become, it becomes less genuine the more you say it. Too, yeah. Whereas when you really mean it, you should mean it, right? Um, That's a word I really like is genuine.
genuine. Yeah. It's something that, because even in all that we're talking about, whether it's devices and things, that's what it's, that's what people gravitate towards. I think now you can tell when something is genuine and when someone is genuine and you can tell when they're not. And you can, you can usually see through that seems to be why we're moving away from television shows and scripted and, and all these things that are just very, it just seems so controlled and saturated because it doesn't seem genuine. And there's something, and even in the same way, having a conversation with people in the room, it's genuine and you can, you can hear in tone, you can see in people's body language what they're emoting, what they're talking about. And, and even if you're really good at it, you can tell when they're lying. You can, tell, you can usually tell when somebody's being facetious or just spreading, you know, complete, I don't want to say bull, but you can tell when somebody's being genuine with you or when they're being non-genuine, when they're lying, when they're being truthful. You can usually get a gauge on the person, at least, the way they talk about themselves what they're doing and the way they talk to you or about you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just that being genuine, I think is becoming more important than ever before. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, but I guess in terms of kind of bring up a topic and then we go off topic. This um, is going to be, I'd say get used to it. If you're <laughs> going to be a current listener uh, or a listener in general, because I think that's, but that's natural, though, right? You're kind of talking around the point to then get to the point right. and hopefully grab some insight as as we, you know, trolley along. I'm just trying not to lose sight of the point. That's yeah, fine. true. I get important. I feel like especially us, we can go off on tangents and just keep going, right? Yeah. Further down the rabbit hole. As we have plenty of time. <laughs> um, but I don't know if, uh, Colin, if you had anything to add to point of being genuine or... Or even what makes Canada what makes, different or yeah, special. which is the point, I guess. Which is how we set off on this. Well, I just like how, you know, like, Canada's, you know, um, freedom, like, and there's there's a lot more acceptance here than than it, it seems lately sure. than, than there is, like, in a place like the U.S. Yeah, a lot more acceptance in terms, like, even multicultural, right? It, yeah, accept. it's very multi, it's very more multicultural here than, than it is in in say the US. Yeah. yeah. And I find that lends to my personal identity that I appreciate people and their differences more so than I see especially around the world and it's and it's lent itself to a, I would say a more broad world view in my own life. Uh I have a godmother that's Trinidadian. I have very close friends that are Asian. I have you know, I've had all these great experiences whether it's through travel or people that are in my core group of friends or just that have had a profound effect on my life that are from different cultures. And I think that um, I'll probably get into it eventually, but I had an experience in Fiji that it was just amazing. And I felt that I was able to immerse myself in a culture and just appreciate its beauty where I saw I was traveling with a bunch of Americans and not to down talk there. I'm a, I'm a strong believer that there are good people and bad people wherever you go, <laughs> maybe at the core, an easy way to say it, but mm -hmm. You know, there are positive people and negative people, people that are going to be more inviting and more distant. You're going to have all sorts of people. But I went out of my way to get to learn about the culture, and it made my experience there just so much more enriching and, and beautiful. And I was able to connect with the locals, which was such a crazy thing to me nice. because it was halfway across the world. You would expect kind of 
you'd expect the differences to be so profound that you wouldn't be able to communicate in the same way. And even the small things, we visited a school there and it was making faces, just silly faces towards kids and having them laugh and do it back. And it was, it was just really rewarding to have that and just be like, oh, we're all people. We're all the same. And, and it's crazy to think of throughout history how big of a, we, we saw that as such a big difference. Whereas now it's like, no, I can see beauty in all people and we can communicate. And, and I think that's what's special about being alive and also being Canadian, the fact that we can appreciate different cultures, different people, and just learn and, and see the beauty in, in different peoples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we all come from the same place. We're all human beings at the end of the day. It doesn't matter the color of our skin or where we come from, right? It's not like just because someone was born with a different color skin that makes their personality any different than, say, someone who came from our, like, you and me or something like, like our background, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's still a huge issue, especially, um, I think self-identity is a huge issue. And I think Canada in general is a good, had, does a pretty good job compared to, and I'm going to throw the Americans under the bus on this one, <laughs> um, in letting people express themselves and who they want to be. I'm, I'm seeing more so than ever before. And I'm somebody who really wants to be accepting to all people. And, and even through that story, like it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a good person, you're a good person. But I also see so many people that are even lost with their own identity mm-hmm. and, and, I want to help people find that fulfillment more so in their own lives and, and what they're doing and what they're accomplishing. And the way I'm seeing things with just this whole Jordan Peterson and universities and, and very liberal ideas, and I, and I know that I've been that person before that's been like, let's all hold hands and be happy together and you know, screw you if you don't think the same way as this. But I also see the difficulty in... I'm trying to think of how to word this because I want to be careful with my words. But I love acceptance and I love this, but I also am somebody, especially growing up with sports, I also believe in competition and, and the fact that doing hard things pushes you and makes you better. So we need to, we need to encourage that. And yes, part of that, part of that difficulty that you're going to have doing those difficult things might be that there's somebody better next to you at that same skill, whatever it is. And it may be difficult because you feel put down or you feel, you know, you have to start at, at zero, mm-hmm. right? We come into this world, we're a blank slate, essentially. Yeah. And anything you do for the first time is going to be new. I'll, I'll say I started archery lately, the first time I did it, and I hadn't done it since I was about 12 years old and I was no good then. I didn't really know what I was doing. But I decided I would try it again. And the first, first round, I didn't really know how to pull it back, but I thankfully got two in the target, and then the third one missed awfully. And then I started to learn it was the owner or whoever came over, and he showed me exactly how I should be releasing, how I should load it, everything. So I, I learned a little bit. And then I befriended the guy next to me who'd done it for years, and he showed me a couple more things. And so I got a little bit worse, but then I was able to understand what I was supposed to do. And then I got a little bit more consistent, a little bit better. And then my focus started to drop because I'd been there for an hour and I was still trying to figure it out. So then I got worse again. 
But I decided I would leave on a good note. I got three in the target, and that was good for that day. But that's there's something to be said. So that was my experience. And then I've since done it, and it's gotten that much better. And that's like anything in life. The first time you do it, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to learn from people around you. You're going to have to be receptive to that guidance. And then all of a sudden, it's going to get, you might get a little bit better, you might get worse, and you have to deal with the trials and tribulations, right? And so in terms of just people, yes, let's be accepting. And, and yes, personal identity is so important with that. But let's not forget what it is to be human. Yeah. And I think competition and differences between people is part of that. It's healthy. We, it's healthy. Yeah. Not everybody is going to do the same thing. We're not all going to be nurses. We're not all going to be doctors. We're not all going to be, yeah, that's the same example. We're not all going to be <laughs> trainers. We're not all going to be bankers. Yeah. Find those, those things in each realm of life that push you and then go from there and, and start building, right? Uh, I've definitely taken breaks off of, you know, I, I haven't always been a great reader. I've went through times where I haven't been active. I've been through bad relationships and good relationships and everything in between. So it's, it's, it's just heading down those paths and learning from your experiences and good getting and yourself bad, better. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think we, we step away from our bad experiences and say, well, this is awful. This shouldn't happen. When I've learned more about through my, I've learned more about myself through those negative experiences than I have probably through the positive ones. And I think you can ask any successful person that's ever existed in history how they became successful, and they will point you to the bad experiences before they point you to the good experiences. Because you're going to learn more from failing, more from doing something wrong, than you're going to be from doing everything right all the time, right? And uh, and then doing things right is always subjective, right? And, and depending on what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that plays, and I'm going to, Go kind of go back to what you're talking about with Peterson, with Jordan Peterson, sorry. Um, and kind of how he is going to attack right now yeah. <laughs> in social media pretty hard. But all he's doing is showing people what are called objective uh, truths, right? So this is something that's happening in the world. Here's a study that proves it. And this is what's happening. Like that's the That's the end of it. There's no... Like you can argue against it, and he wants you to argue against it. Um, you can say it's wrong, but he's like, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. It, this is the way it is. Yeah. So it kind of brings into question, too, like, it's important to have competition, yes. It's important to question things in general, too, and not just accept everything that you hear as truth and being right and wrong, right? And like, it's not so black and white. The world's not black and white. We're not black and white. That's why we're not all doctors or we're not all yeah one thing right um so i kind of think of it in a way of you have two different kind of fields that you can put this into you have your personal beliefs and then you have your objective truths so your personal beliefs being like for example i am i'm agnostic so i don't necessarily believe in a god or gods i don't necessarily have a religion that i believe in but it doesn't mean i don't believe in it either yeah um, I'm just, I kind of in, in between, right? Like, I don't know what I want out of my beliefs or out of my beliefs in religion. However, just because I don't necessarily believe in God doesn't mean I have to go to the next person and be, hey, 
because because I don't believe in them, you don't have you ha you can't believe in them either. Yeah. Or if I was Christian and I grew up Christian, uh, I can't go to someone and say you you have to believe in God. It's exists. It's real. Well, where are the facts to back that up, right? So that's yeah. where the objective truths come into play. So an objective truth means you can't just go off what someone says. Um, you can't like we are extremely inaccurate in terms of testimony as as human beings are just if someone saw someone murder someone and then they gave a testimony on it the chances of that being 100% accurate of what they saw to compared to what they're saying is probably zero zero yeah, <laughs> yeah. so objective truths tend to come from uh, scientists doing lots and lots of research with machines that can measure something to a large decimal point to the same degree over and over and over again and then them being able to give me that same machine and be like hey you do the test too tell me what you get and then i get those same numbers yeah. then we can agree that 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 number equals my number that is an objective truth right at the end of the day yeah that means that you can't argue against it that is what it is yeah it's replication yeah so it's fine to do one study and have it be reliable. And, Which is and, what statistics does, yeah. right? In terms of, and it always uses like radical, um, when we, what's a, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, um, in terms of just what we were talking about earlier, in terms of men and women being biologically different and different in, every, in other regards too. Like they are different. At the end of the day, they are different. Statistically, they are different. You can't argue against it. Like you can't say that a, a male that you can't say that me being six foot five, 270 pounds is statistically and biologically the same as a female who is 110 pounds and five foot two. It yeah. just doesn't make sense. Right. It's nonsensical. But however, the way people argue um, in some regards and to what Peterson were saying is based, that's basically how they're arguing, arguing with him are saying, well, you can't say that because this is how it should be. I'm like, well, he's not arguing how it should be. He's just saying how it is. So you can have your personal beliefs and your, uh, and then there's objective truths. Objective truths, you can't argue. Personal beliefs are fine, but they're personal. And there, there's a reason they're called personal beliefs because they're, they're truths, yeah. but they're truths for you and not anyone else, just for yourself, based on your experiences and what you've gone through in life. If you believe in God, that's great. If you truly believe he exists, awesome, great. But you can't tell me that if you do, you have to have an objective truth to show me that that's the truth. Yeah. I like, I like that we're getting into it already. <laughs> Podcast number one, and we're talking about spirituality and gender relations and science and objective truths. <laughs> yeah. we, we're, we're covering a lot of ground for day one, but that's, it, it's exciting. And I, I feel like, no, but I feel like these are all important things to be discussing. And it seems that so much it's tongue in cheek and we're not able to actually express our opinions and our thoughts and, and actually have these conversations with one another because you, we live in fear a little bit more so than ever before where your opinions are going to be shot down and you're, you're going to offend somebody and you, you know, you're going to have to deal with that negative consequence of somebody having a different viewpoint and then basically berating you or whatever it is and or putting your name on social media and saying you're a bigot or you're an awful person for your thoughts and we're we are in a very new place in society and in history and the crazy thing is 
we've known peace our whole and and I wouldn't say complete peace, but relative peace in terms of history that a lot of cultures have never seen. There have been two world wars in the last century uh, and plenty before that. And a lot of people just, I think we don't, we don't value history and where we're at in history. And where am I going to go with this? <laughs> so I think we need to educate ourselves just about, you know, whether it's where we came from evolutionary. Yes, that is something I believe in, but I think there's knowledge to be gained through that as well. Or even in a, in a spiritual sense, I do think that there's an importance of having some sort of spirituality, whether it's individual to you or whether it is a, a, a religion and you follow the, the teachings. I think that that's important because it, it gives you something to work towards. I would consider my beliefs largely philosophical and Taoist in nature. And I think what I like about it is it's kind of all encompassing. It doesn't, it's just Taoism really involves the way. And basically you think of the yin and yang and the balance between light and dark or whether it's good and evil. And I, I do think that you kind of have to figure out this middle ground in life where uh, I'm going to say this a different way. So I had a dream a couple weeks ago. I'm going to get right into this. You can <laughs> pull the Freudian thoughts and, uh, and, and, and pull what you want out of this dream. But I had a dream the other week, and it, it involved two giants. I was watching a lot of mythology-based television, so I, I got into it. But it, I remember it so vividly that I can bring up the image in my brain, and it was literally basically split within my, my vision. And it was two giants. One side was blue and very angelic and good-seeming, and there was a beauty to that side. And then there was also the opposite. There was redness and kind of a, a scary horned giant. And I was looking up at them both. And, and then a third giant came and attacked me, kind of in the middle of the plane. And I jumped on its back, and I found the, the, the one place in its armor where it was vulnerable, and I had a dagger, and I stabbed it with this dagger. And so, and then I woke up, and I thought, what does this mean? I had to figure out what it meant, and I Googled, because Google apparently has all the answers, but you can usually find dream meanings, and giants typically mean some kind of obstacle you're trying to overcome. And it was funny, because the two things, there was good and evil, and then there was a third one that attacked me, and I didn't really understand what that meant. And it was, and it was just overcoming. So I kind of came to the conclusion that it was there's obstacles, and I'm actually consciously going out of my way to defeat those obstacles and get in control of my own life, which I think is a great thing. So I, I took it as a, as a good thing. But I thought it was interesting that I didn't attack either of the, the good or the evil one. There was a third one that attacked me. And so I got to the point where I said, well, there's obstacles, but there's not necessarily good and evil. You have to, you have to use yourself and, and everything that you are to get to where you want to be, which might seem kind of spacey. And, but you have to set your, set your height, sights on what you want to achieve and what your purpose is and head towards it. And so I also came to the conclusion that you never use your devil side recklessly. So in terms of creating evil and hurting people. And so you don't use it recklessly. 
But you also have to be willing to stand up for yourself and you have to be confident in what you're doing and you have to be willing to say no. And then the other side of that is, on the good side, you don't use it carelessly. So you don't let people walk over you. So sort of the same thing. You don't let people walk over you. You don't let people talk you down or, or take away your, your encouragement or your passion towards something. But you use it to help people and, and to, to do your good in the world, whatever that may be. And so that's kind of how I came to that with that dream. And so that a little bit has to do with that balance between things. And I think that that's a little bit my philosophy on life and spirituality. And I think that that's important that, and it doesn't have to be that. I'm not saying you have to have these crazy dreams, but just at least thinking about it in philosophy and morality and religion, even if it's in a, in a objective sense, if it's studying it to see what parts of it that you believe and you want to take on for yourself and what parts you might want to discard. I think it is being objective about those things and learning what spirituality means to you. And mm -hmm. because I think that gives you purpose and that gives you aim in life about where you want to go and what you want to achieve. And, and there's a definite lack of that within modern day, just life in general. Well, they, there's... They've done studies where, like, the, I mean, I guess Christianity would be the number one religion in the entire world. I think it still is. Um, it definitely is in North America. Yeah, and I think even Europe as well. Um, uh, maybe not so much in India or China. Um, however, I, they've shown studies that in newer generations, it's lower than it's ever been than in the recorded history. So yeah. the, the belief that people have, I don't know if anyone, if certain people just don't have beliefs or it's just so skewed to different places now or if people are struggling, maybe that comes into back to self-identity and the struggle to find it and a belief system. Um, mine has always been to believe in myself. At the end of the day, um, and, I, and I fully uh, respect like people's opinions and spirituality and spirituality can't say that word apparently yeah spirituality um, we'll get there in religion in whatever they want to believe in um i see as personally i guess i see belief systems as um something to put your faith into so that uh it makes your life easier in some regard or manageable uh be, being able to cope with it in some regard um my belief system is always not always Again, I grew up as a Christian um, in the, for the last eight years has been in myself. And that's why I, I call myself agnostic and I don't tailor to one religion or another. Yeah. And, but I don't, neither do I say they're wrong because I don't know that they're wrong. I, I mean, I'm sure there are ones that are wrong, um, ones that are cults <laughs> opposed to religions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, my belief system is largely myself and that I can do what I what I want because I have that ability to, as long as I'm willing to work towards it. And if someone needs uh, some sort of spiritual guidance towards that or religious guidance towards that, that is within their rights, I think. Yeah, touched on a lot of things there, but it is, it's such a personal journey, right? Yeah. And it's ever evolving. For a lot of us, it's ever evolving. Some people find it early on and they stick to it and it's, but 
I, I think oftentimes, like anything in life, and kind of in a Taoist way too, where you kind of go through these peaks and valleys, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, it, there's all these things at play. And sometimes you're maybe a, a you know, believer in whatever your spiritual sense is to the fullest. And sometimes it seems you're kind of at a low where it's hard to believe in anything. I know even kind of weekly, I'll go through these times where I'm a little bit just I'll listen to a lot of podcasts or read books and I kind of get depressed on the current state of things because we seem so lost. And then all of a sudden I'll have an experience where everybody's somebody has done something amazing or we're, we're striving towards change and we're going to make something special happen. And then I'm super excited about the world and what we can accomplish and where we're at. So it's, it's almost this constant fluctuation of just (laughs) equal parts, positive, negative, but it, it is this just crazy journey that we're on. And it seems, it seems it, that it has escalated so quickly during our lifetimes where so much change is happening all at once. And it's really hard to process. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be where we're at to a large part in Canada, North America in general, but just in society and, and the issues that we're dealing with. Colin, do you have any thoughts on spirituality? Um, mine would be along the lines of, uh, Jace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised Christian as well. Um, but I, I would say that I'm, you know, more of an agnostic. Um, I can't say the way because, you know, I don't know. And, you know, I don't claim to know, you know, I don't have all the answers mm-hmm. and, you know, life is kind of a learning experience. Right. And, I mean, I'm, I'm open to hearing, you know, about other religions and about, you know, religion in general, but, you know, for someone to tell me that I have to believe, um, and don't give me, you know, any, well, well, why do I have to believe, Mm -hmm. you know, well, you know, you should just believe because it's the truth. Yeah. And that's the, I feel like that's the wrong mindset. Ask, like, you should be able to ask questions. Exactly. And if someone says, well, you can't ask those questions, you just have to believe. It's like, well, what's the point of asking? Like, we're brought up in a society where we're, we're taught to ask questions, right? So why wouldn't we, why would that stop automatically when we get to religion? It makes no sense to yeah, me. Yeah, and when, yeah, and I was kind of taught, you know, when I was a Christian that we're, you know, we can't really question that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, oh, well, that's not up for us to know. You know, you're not supposed to question it. You're just supposed to believe it. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah, same for me, for sure. But at the same time, where does it say that? Uh, yeah. And those people say that. It's like we, you have this blind faith, and you have this faith that's great. That's fine for you, and you want to follow it blindly. That is up to you. But where? show me where it says that I need to follow it blindly. Where do I need to follow God blindly, right? Where in the Bible does it say it? In fact, the Bible encourages to ask questions if, you, if people read, especially exactly. the Old Testament. Um. And the story, it, the stories are all moral stories and how you should live your, your life better, right? But I feel like a lot of the Bible is also taken very literally rather than figuratively. Um, and only pieces of it as well. It's, right. It's whatever serves the population that wants to prove whatever their point is. And people have to also remember that it's a, a book that is very old, that has been translated many times, um, improperly sometimes to and words that are used now don't mean the same thing that when they were used 
300 years ago. Yeah. Things have changed. Um, and um, there's, um, I was watching, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast earlier. We were talking about this. We like mentioning him. With uh, Jordan Peterson, yeah. And Peterson, Jordan uh, mentions um, that in somewhere in the Bible, there's a verse that says that the, the world will belong to the meek. And he looked at the word meek and he's like, that's not right. And he looked up and looked at the definition of meek. And meek means people who hold weapons or swords, but always keep them sheathed. Yeah. The world will always belong to people who have weapons, but will never use them. Um, but this comes into com- the whole competition thing again. And he's like, no, that's wrong. Uh, Jordan says it's wrong. He's like, you should be a monster. Become a monster and then learn how to, maybe not the best choice of words in his yeah. opinion what? or in my opinion, but become a monster, but then learn how to control it. Yeah. And he, what he meant by that is you should be trying your hardest. You should be going out and making mistakes. You shouldn't live weekly or like as a weak person. Yeah. You should be trying new things all the time and you should be competing with others because competition is healthy. And studies show that competition with others are healthy, and those who perform well in competition and are rewarded for it perform better in life than those who do not compete with others. There's a term or an archetype that I'm considering in my own life. There, there are two that I believe to be effective, but one of them I consider the humble warrior is where I came to on my... I tried to figure out what I wanted to be, and, and that was the best I could come up with. So, yeah, be, be ready for battle, in a sense, but yeah. on all planes. So, and that's how I measure things. I think it's the, there's those different planes of existence, so be ready as a warrior would be, um, but be humble. So don't be the one, basically, n- not in a biblical sense, don't cast the first stone. Be willing to, to, to make the change that you want and, and do those things and not have to wait for things to get so bad that you have to defend yourself or whatever your viewpoint is. But it just seems to be effective to be prepared. What I like, they, they also said a quote, uh, it's an ancient quote, but it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah, that. And I felt that that was so effective because, well, it's really funny to think then, uh, uh, what is it? I just read David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Nice. And he was a shepherd and a stone thrower. Yeah. So in a sense, he was well, he wasn't a gardener. So I guess he's but he still worked with his hands. And you would it's very un, unassuming and unexpecting that he would have defeated somebody like Goliath. But that book was really good at going through. You know, you see, you see size differential, and you see the big uh, monopolies and companies or whatever it is, or you see those Goliaths out there. But if you're if you're David and you're effective and you know your strengths and you know what you're good at and you can be agile and speedy, you can defeat that bigger opponent. Yeah. And there's something to be said with that. It's knowing your own strengths and also knowing the other person's weaknesses, but just making that effective change and whatever that is. And you can, you can topple down those big systems that are you know, unwilling to change and evolve. And that's such an effective lesson to learn. And so that's where I want to get to. And I also think the hero archetype is really important as well, where it's 
just going into the unknown constantly and making yourself better. And that's very much what Jordan Peterson went through on his biblical lecture series, which, again, I'm not religious, but I, it was also the fact that there was just so much knowledge to be gained and just the, the concepts and the things, being able to build yourself up and just become a better person. And yes, it's important to set your heights on, set your sights on something and, and find purpose and be able to work towards that because it's a lot of living is finding that thing worth dying for. And that's purpose. Yeah. Whatever you believe, whatever it is, that's the thing you should go towards. And I found that's been so, so profound lately in my own life where I'm just, I'm trying a lot of new things, but also I've found, I've really searched myself and what I want to accomplish and what, what I want. I don't like the word legacy, but just at the end of the day, what have I accomplished? What have I done? And I know so much more what that is now more so than ever. And I'm, I'm striving diligently to continue finding it too. Of course. And that's an important concept. And I think that, I mean, that's part of what life is, is always chasing after that, right? And um, always bettering yourself and just doing what you can, even whether, you, whether it's a failure or it's not, or whether it works or it doesn't, right? If it doesn't work, you get back up, you try again, or you try something different. Yeah. Um, and I like what you said about um, being willing to die for what you believe in or what, what your dreams are, which is it's true. I mean, like, uh, Leigh Brown said, um, uh, go, after, go after your dreams as if your life depends on it. Why? Because it does. Yeah. I mean, you either it's, live out your dream or you don't, right? As far as we know, we only get one shot at this. Yeah. So... You might as well do something that you find worthwhile, <laughs> motivating, that you're passionate about. And if you're not, get there <laughs> and, find, and find what that is. I think too many of us are willing to settle in all aspects of life, whether it's relationship seems to be the obvious one, but career. It's, and it's also never too late to change, I believe, is the biggest aspect of that. Yeah, set, settling and being comfortable are, and you can ask, I've heard this in so many motivational speeches, is the worst mistake you can ever make. Yeah. So knowingly attacking, knowingly going towards the unknown, again, and this is a Jordan Peterson, thing, <laughs> but knowingly going towards the unknown and constantly doing it, is that's the hero archetype. Constantly confronting the unknown or the beasts within your own life and getting past them, right? Yeah. So let's maybe change it up a little bit. <laughs> We've we really got into spirituality, which is great. But uh, let's talk about issues in the working world, especially locally or, or even Canada in general. So one of the things that I kind of thought of is just the unwillingness to change in business as usual, especially in terms of the U.S. cutting back regulations. But even in our own country, it seems that we're a little bit hesitant to change. Um, yeah. Um, I also, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, there's a certain company that uh, I may or may not work for that uh, is 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 actually making changes now, but there used to be a lot of uh, looking over the shoulder, right? Mentality, like 
there's always someone higher up that's always going to undermine what you're doing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, and the CEO of the entire company actually said this, why should I give you the keys to the door of this building if I can't trust you? So why would I have three other people looking over you? And so this company actually started cutting down on major management positions because it just didn't make any sense. Why is there four people doing one job and managing yeah. one person? It doesn't make sense. Like You need to, at some level, um, you need to entrust your employers. And is it always going to work out? Are there going to be people that you can't trust? Yes, absolutely. It's always, there's always going to be that outlier, right? But you will, and companies like Google who employ that method and be like, hey, you can do whatever work you feel like doing today wherever you want to do it, find that people who are in better spirits because of that mentality perform better in their work and do more work. They're more productive in their day. So why wouldn't more companies start to, to use that method? And I think more and more are. I think it's happening. It's so slow. Like I feel like this should be like, yes, this should happen. Like, yeah, give your give some freedom to your employees. Um, trust them a little bit, even though it may not always work out. You're always going to have that statistical outlier that that, that you're going to have to deal with at some point, right? <laughs> I don't want to get too far into yeah, that because sorry. I definitely worked in the same environment, and yeah, it's. I find it so strange, though, because it's a bunch of people who want to do good things, especially the trainers there. So I, I yeah. and I believe in it in so many ways, but I do see the. There's two sides of it too, though, right? They're, they're very much in conflict with each other, and I, I think yeah. you saw that more than anything else is that you have that the willingness to do good for people versus willingness to lie and cheat to get those people through the door, right? All right. So I'll, I'll say one comment, and it's just you want the values and the culture to align. Yes. And I found in my experience that that wasn't the case. So I'll leave it at that because I also don't think I still, I still work out at that gym. I still, I still like, in terms of a corporate gym, it's still the best that Canada, especially Winnipeg, has to offer. Um, and so there are so many good things about it, but that was my experience with it. And I just feel like there, there were lessons to learn from that. And I was honest about my experience and, and I don't think you can ask for anything other than that, but I'm glad that I made my opinions known and I, I, that I've now kind of went towards what I believe in more so, because when there's that disconnect, as soon as I realized there was that disconnect to myself. I think it was especially in the role I was in, but once I saw that disconnect, I, I made that promise to myself that I couldn't stay here and do those things because I didn't want to, I didn't want to sell myself short for who I am and what I believe in. And so that was, to me, when it was time to leave and do something else. And that's led me on this path, and I couldn't be happier for it. I've, I feel more fulfilled now doing what I am than ever before, and that involves this uh, the Be the Change Young Professionals group. That involves my current work, but also I'm getting ready to confront the unknown in a new position and seeing how that that goes as well. But and it's also in just trying to build myself up and try new things and and yeah, meet meet new amazing people and have great experiences. But yeah, that's what I think.
No, and I think that's important. You shouldn't. I I personally believe you should never have to compromise your morals. Yeah. For your job, and those things should should align, right? And they may not always, and in your case, it didn't. Um, and you made, I think you made the right choice. And, and uh, you worked in a, very, in a different department than I did. Um, so, and I don't know the full like spectrum of what is what happens on that side. Yeah. I can only imagine, but I do see some of it going on, and I I can't see myself ever doing it, which is why I'm in personal training, which there is some of it, but I've always promised myself never to compromise my morals um, for my job, even if it costs me my job, and it yeah. hasn't yet, and I don't think it will, um, and it works out for the most part. It just ma- it can make my job more difficult at times, though, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it's strange when it seems that that, that, that mentality is rewarded to a certain degree, right? Where if you're willing to be dishonest, you are more successful seems to be a very backwards system, whether it's there or anywhere, right? Where it's, if you're immoral, if you're willing to lie to somebody to their face and and yet that makes you more successful. I don't know if that was, I don't think that was the original intention of that whole system. It's just kind of what was, was spawned out of it. Yeah. Because it was, its intention is to be a competitive nature, right? Yeah. So that everyone does always better. But then at what point does the, does one person or some people say like, well, in order for me to do even better than I can and do better than the other people, I need to start lying and cheating, right? Isn't it funny the parallels between that and, and high level athletes willing to take performance enhancing drugs? And it's, again, it's a moral question. Are you willing to do something immoral to make yourself better. And my experience with football especially, yeah. there were people around me that were willing to do that immoral thing to make their skill better. Yeah. And so I that's, think... That's I, unhealthy competition now, right? Yeah. yeah. And I thank, my, I thank my upbringing, I thank the people around me for instilling those values in me to say that it's never all right to, do, to cheat and do that immoral thing. And yeah, you kind of learn, you cheat at card games when you're little and things, but I'm glad that in the big moments, because that definitely was something that I had to confront and just be, and really say, I'm at the peak physical level that I can be at training two hours a day. Yeah. Yes, I took supplements, but I took not performance enhancing drugs. I took supplements that, that increased my productivity well, and that and allowed you, me to get and to even the gym. That now, though, if you if you really look into it, there is the whole question of like what what's, what's illegal the, what's the supplement? What is the moral boundary of supplements? And, and I mean, like, yeah, if you go on <clears throat> st- certain steroids that you, and go off of them, they're going to do some major damage to your body. But besides that, like, what are the moral implications? Like, what is yeah. considered cheating in terms of performance enhancing drugs? Is a supplement like uh, creatine considered? Is it performance enhancing yeah. when it's naturally occurring in certain meats? I believe it's red right. meats. Yeah. But if you're putting 2,000% of your daily intake or average daily intake, but is yeah. that necessarily? But I, I found that it was, especially at that point, that it was, if I didn't take supplements, I felt that I was at a loss. Whereas I'm at a point now where I'm currently taking no supplements and feel that I'm in the best shape of my life which never did I think I would get to this point, but it's, so it's not to say it can't be done too. Right. No, exactly. Um, I've, I used to rely on protein powder constantly and thought that that was the only way to gain muscle. Yeah. I'm like right now, I'm probably the strongest I've ever been in my life. And I haven't taken protein 
I haven't had touch protein powder probably a year and a half now. And it's like, it's not, it's not, I mean, it, there may be cases where it helps. Like you said, there's, there may be that small percentage where it's going to give you that little bit more, but if you're eating correctly, you can, like the diet can, can accommodate for that. Right. Yeah. So if you're eating properly, you shouldn't have to rely on supplements when your body can create all these things on its own with the proper diet. Um, yeah, kind of got off topic again there. I, it's going to happen. But um, but yeah, sorry, back into the, the whole cheating thing. It's when you start cheating and, and going past that boundary, then you start asking the question too, like what wouldn't you do? Yeah. Do? Like what, what, is, what really is the boundary? I, I am in strong belief that humans, human beings, people, are creatures of habit and also I would say, what's the momentum? And I would say if you, have, if you start that negative momentum and you start to live immorally, you start to live negatively, whatever it is, it's, it's a quick slide to just that's your life. You become dishonest. It usually bleeds over, right? You start making those decisions on a daily basis. That becomes who you are. So if you're living immorally, you know you're cheating at football. You might lie, cheat, and steal at work. You might, right? And, and at the same token... When you start building yourself up and you go, I'm going to be a truthful person, I'm going to be honest, and I have, I've almost found in my own life that I'm honest to a fault. It's just something that, I, that is intrinsically me. But I've also went through those stages where I've, I've had issues and I've, I've hung around the wrong people and done the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll get into that eventually. <laughs> but uh, but I, and, and on the other side, what we talked about earlier, you have to, how do you learn? You learn yeah. from your experiences, right? Good and bad. So it's like you can't always have just good experiences. And the, then what would your moral boundaries be then? I think you need to have those bad experiences that set your moral boundaries in place, right? And my experience with it has just been I wouldn't change anything that I've done or that's happened to me or the people that I've been with because it's made me who I am today. And which yeah. – I'm very right. happy and fulfilled with that currently, and I hope to continue on the same, the same path that I'm on. Who knows? I mean, you're always throwing curveballs. Everybody, when you live long enough, you live through tragedy, you live through loss, you, 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 have, to, you have to deal with some negative situations, whether it's losing a job um, or even losing a relationship. In so many ways, you're just, you have to learn how to deal with these negative things. Yeah. And you have to build yourself up from a, from them and see what you can learn from them and just sometimes it just requires resetting and refocusing and deciding what kind of person you want to be and that's been the biggest struggle in my past year has just been has just been that finding what that means to me what what do I want to be what do I want to accomplish and how am I going to get there and I've always been somebody who's I've never been a great planner I've always been kind of spontaneous in nature and just live for Okay, what are we doing now? Let's just do something fun. I also see that as necessity because I played a lot of sports and was had a lot of programming growing up. So the rest of the time was just relaxation. But I found that as soon as I lost that programming in my life, it just lent itself to being lazy and not accomplishing anything. Mm-hmm. So it it's taken a couple of times of failing and building back up and failing and building back up. And this past year has been trying different things that job included and working in a restaurant 
and managing it after working for that the sports organization where I ran a bunch of football programming it uh yeah it kind of let sent me on that journey of what now and so started reading a lot started listening to people that I find inspiring started and it ended up with me organizing this group and meeting with like-minded individuals and I can honestly say that all of these things together but especially these conversations with the group has been like just go do it yeah and it sounds cliche but once you're willing to to make that jump and consistently make that jump your life gets that much better yeah and that's where I think I'm at now yeah just go do it even if you don't know exactly what it is right like it's uh Tony Robbins said that you don't know what you're you don't know what you're gonna do pick up a stone and throw it start there yeah (laughs) yeah it's something and the Jordan Peterson thing clean your room before you judge the world or before you criticize the world and yeah something so small you think so, so meaningless but just the the ripple effects of cleaning your room getting something together and then maybe you can get the relationships, your familial relationships a little bit together. And then maybe you can get your relationship with a girlfriend. Maybe you can start one. Maybe you can get that together. And then all of a sudden there's this this effect of just your life gets more in order because you started by cleaning your room. It's It sounds small, but it, it can make such a profound effect. And Well, I know for myself, um, I have a hard time being productive unless I feel productive. So... What I mean by that is that, like, I have to get up. I have to go take that shower. If I don't take a shower, my day is shot. I have to be dressed. I can't be in pajamas all day. That is, even if I'm staying home all day, I'll be fully dressed and I feel clean. I feel productive. That's what I mean by feel productive is that sometimes you just got to get into the position of what would you do if you had to go out and be a professional and do that at home. I have to be clean. I have to take a shower. I have to be well-dressed. So I'm going to do that. And okay, now I'm going to go sit down and start writing something. And that, in my case. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly I'm productive for the day. Somebody else said the best thing to start your day with is just making your bed. Because it's that first task of the day. Check it off the list. And then you can... It's that snowball effect. You you become more productive. You you keep doing more things. I think, too, a large part of it is that people don't there is this like overwhelming shadow of a task that they don't want to do. And so they put it off rather than do anything else. They just don't do anything. Just they keep putting off that, that one task. And there's that saying where if the worst thing you had to do in a day is every day is eat a frog. So you had to eat a frog every single day. Would you wait till the end of the day or would you do it at the beginning of the day? The worst thing you're going to have to do in that day so why not do it at the beginning of the day? Then you got the worst thing of your day out of the way. Everything else is going to see, seem extremely easy in comparison to that one task. Yeah. So just whatever is looming over you, do it. Get it done, and then that way you can move on. That's what's holding you back. I'm going to draw a parallel. Last summer, when I a little bit when I started this, this change, it was when I was working at that restaurant. I started running for the first. I never enjoyed running. I could do sprint training and things if it was football oriented and I would get through it. I never enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I never enjoyed I did some mid-distance running I would say when I was around 10, 12 years old, but didn't ever enjoy it. 
And this summer I got to the point where I could run 10 miles. And one of the things I found so great about it and that pushed me to keep doing it was this is the hardest thing I'm going to do in my day. It doesn't matter. That customer that's coming at me and has a complaint, it's not as hard as running 10 miles. It's not as hard as pushing yourself around that final corner and not stopping. You know, you, yeah. you have all those moments in your head where you go, I'm tired. I could just walk. There's nobody watching me. There's nobody telling me I have to do this. And that voice gets in your head. And defeating that voice is so, so great. It's yeah. nice when you, you finally finish your... I would get to the end of my street because then I'd walk the rest of the way in, kind of stretch out a little bit. But once I hit that point, it was just that it's a little bit of relief. I'd always sprint to the end too and just make sure I was gassed because I'm a little bit nice. sick like that. <laughs> but it was uh, it was a Jamie Foxx quote uh, comment. I'm pretty sure it was on the Tim Ferriss podcast or in that in that book. And he was he was basically what's on the other side of failure? Well, nothing. There's nothing on the other side of failure. So it just keep pushing through and, and keep going for it and, and make it, right? Yeah. And, and I just kept telling, I would always tell myself that really close to the end was, what's on the other side of failure? Nothing. Keep going. Yeah, it's like, and uh, something, I don't know if Will Smith said this or someone, I can't remember who said this, but like, I don't, he doesn't understand the fear of rock bottom. It's like, well, you hit rock bottom. You have nowhere else to go except up. Everything is great from there because everything that happens is going to be good. Yeah. So anything, and Jocko said this, it, 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 things need to go wrong. Things need to go bad because there's always going to be some good that comes from it. Yeah. End of the day. So get the worst thing out of your, out of your day out of the way. And everything else is great. So the worst thing is usually not that bad in the end. I know I have social anxiety to some extent. I hate talking to that one person. I know I have to go find that client or whatever. Go And then I have to go walk around the gym and find a client for myself, right? But I'm like, well, what if they say no? Or what if they just tell me to F off or something like that? Yeah. And it's just like they just completely crush me. And then that never happens, of course. The worst case scenario never happens. People ignore me. People tell me to go away. At the end of the day, there's that one good conversation I had with someone, and then I book someone in and have this great workout with them. And then that, that one conversation was worth all of that anxiety. <laughs> it's funny because I almost feel that we, we, we diagnose ourselves in that way when those are natural feelings. And I understand that there's a spectrum to where there, there are these issues, like a social anxiety I just think that there's natural nervousness where you're going to talk to somebody, you don't know what their reaction is going to be, whether it's the pretty girl in line at the coffee shop or whether it is a prospective client that you're trying to sign and you got to build that relationship. There's always going to be that nervousness. There's never been, it's, I always find it funny when people tell me I'm outgoing and I find, yeah, if I'm in the right mood, if I'm in the right place, when I feel comfortable, when I'm satisfied, I have that voice in my head that says... I'm nervous. Like any sane person does, right? Yeah, and, and these are all likely evolutionary aspects of, of, of being human, of being a person. and Probably survival, right? Right. Why would I jump off that cliff? Yeah. And, and so we have to learn how to deal with those nerves, and we have to learn how to... It, it, like anything, it gets a little bit easier the more you do it, but it's, it's almost a muscle where you have to keep doing it or, or else you almost Discipline, lose it. In, right? Yeah. But I almost feel in a way that 
I'm fine being social as soon as I know the other person's receptive towards it. Right. I'm somebody who hates kind of, I hate starting the conversation if somebody has headphones on or if I can tell they're not, they're not really into it or they're closed off. You can usually read body language and see oh, if somebody's going to be open to the conversation Especially at the or gym, not. right? What do, a large portion of the people at the gym really don't want to be there at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm in here for an hour. I want to get my workout. But there is going to be that, again, there's going to be that outlet. There's going to be that one person who doesn't know what they're doing. And in their head, they're thinking, I wish someone could help me. They don't know anyone that can help them. So enter your personal trainer. (laughs) Yes, sir. Well, let's shift gears again. We've, We've talked a lot about people, writers, inspiring people. So in terms of dreaming of change in the world and the importance of great teachers in life, who do you think is the most influential figure or best teacher that that you've had in your life, whether it's historically or personally? Hmm. Riley, why don't you start us off on that one? I can oh. think of a lot, but to oh, narrow God, it down to my head. I gotta think of it. <laughs> I've had so many great teachers that it's really hard to pick just one. I've had great football coaches that have taught me a lot about life. I've read a lot of great books that have had profound effects. Yes, there's podcasters that have also shared their experiences and had great stories or even just great entertainment. Uh, maybe the one that I'll share, just in terms of inspiring me, maybe intellectually, uh, when I was in university taking courses out of interest, I, I took a course that was English of the 1900s. Uh, I want to say his name's Robert Muller. I believe he's nice. still is a professor there. Uh, I believe it's Robert Mueller. I hope I got that right. Yeah. Anyways, it was English of the 1900s, and it was a year-long course. There was a lot of literature to go through, and I was, I was pretty good at deciphering the poetry, which made me kind of excited, but I was awful when it came to assignments. I, I've never been the most dedicated student. I'm probably more studious now than I was when I was in school, especially when you get to take it on and kind of on your own accord. But he was genuinely the most intelligent person I've been in the same room with, and I can say that without fail. He was able to break down literature to the point where it was accessible. didn't matter if it was really complex ideas, if it was Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness where I can barely understand each sentence. Mm -hmm. He was able to break that down to the point where you could decipher it and get the lessons from it and learn exactly what it was talking about. But just some of the profound conversations that we had about life and the human experience in that class were so rewarding that it didn't matter that I was getting C pluses on, on each paper. And, and uh, yeah, and he, but he demanded a lot because you, as you'd expect as a, as, as a professor in English, you're, you're going to be pretty critical on people's papers and their writing style and their prose and their, and, and everything. So, But those are the, the best kind of teachers, right? Those are the most, I'm pretty sure that's why he was influential to you. So that's, there are so many teachers that regurgitate information and get you to memorize, and, and that's not learning to me, and that's not teaching. A real teacher is the one who, who shares experience, who, who challenges your ideas and your opinions on your current belief and state of the world. And, and is able to, able to affect you with that knowledge 
and just able to broaden your your ideas and your horizons and 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 your education base and i felt that that was what he did so so marvelously and just i don't know i just whenever i think about a great teacher i go that's what it is it's breaking down that information and being able to to make it accessible to people so that's why i find he's been the, one of the most influential if not the most influential Nice. That, that's a great story. Um, it usually ends up being those who educate us, right? My, I think mine would be too, but I, I'm actually more interested in hearing Collins right now. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking of a couple, um, and it's like um, I was, I'm thinking that Barack Obama was um, like probably one of my most influential figures, just like just the kind of change that he that he made to the states and then he had in mind for the for the u.s you know especially coming from what we had before yeah how about would you say that he still is now even after his president presidency for sure for sure i i feel like a lot of people look down on him now that he's not president um and blame him for the problems that the u.s has even though they they were problems that that persisted even before he was even yeah exactly find it extremely interesting that's uh, interesting, especially since you're Canadian, right? Yeah. You grew up in Canada to, yeah. to choose a U.S. president as your character. Was there anyone else that you found influential in your life? Or is... um, no, that's the one that kind of stood out. Wow. That's pretty cool. I, like, I don't think, interesting, because I don't think, and maybe this is just me being biased, but I don't think most Canadians would be a president. Yet. But I, I find that extremely awesome and uh he is i in my opinion one of the best presidents that at least in my lifetime that i know of that have run the, the states i've i've gotten obsessed about former american presidents and learning a little bit of the stories especially around the second world war yeah and harry truman has kind of been my one of the people that i keep going back to and just it's interesting when you're you're faced with nuclear weaponry for the first time and we don't think of this in a daily uh and usually we don't think of it in our daily routine in our minds it's kind of just something that exists but the fact that you have this weaponry that could essentially take over the whole world and and after the second world war choosing never to use it again even you had the cold war with russia and and nuclear arms race and everything but it was yeah, I found that decision to to not use nuclear weapons and to basically let Russia catch up, and and yet yes, there was so much tension. But the fact that kind of life won out, and it has ever since, and we haven't used it, even though the technologies existed since 1945. That's a crazy thing, and that's a win for humankind. Yeah. <laughs> and in the same way, I've I've found Barack Obama very inspirational because it shows that there is an ability to change. My issue with it now is there just seems to be this constant swinging pendulum where it's, there's, in the U.S., it's two parties, and it just goes back and forth, and mm. it's just this constant, just chaos. And you kind of get some of it together, and then it goes to chaos again and gets together in chaos. And without big changes in government in the U.S., I think this chaos is going to continue and we're seeing that wow. now, yeah, exactly. Especially because you have, especially an, in the last year, an egomaniac 
for lack of a better term. And yes, this is my personal opinion, but somebody who's completely egocentric and unwilling to be cooperative and also just, I'm trying to think of the right words for it, but he represents the unwillingness to change and the unwillingness to to admit when you're wrong. He's never apologized for any of the the comments that he's made. And yes, that makes you seem powerful. Ever, I've read Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. Yeah, never apologize. But at the same time, there's just something inhumane about that method of thinking where it's just, let's, let's do more of the same. Let's pull back restrictions. Let's do all these. Who cares about people's health care? I, I know that's something near and dear to Canadians' hearts because, <laughs> well, and we don't have to think about it on a daily basis. Whereas sure. if you're an American making minimum wage, you can't afford to get sick. No. And or your family member can't afford to be sick. You break, you break a bone. You live with that broken bone, essentially. Yeah, or you pay obscene amounts of money for or the you hospital. Live in debt, yeah. Or you live in debt for plenty of years after. So I just, I, I do, I, I see so much of Obama's vision as being beneficial, but then you saw a whole country kind of turn on him throughout his presidency. There was so much optimism. And and yet I almost think that's bound to happen because the side that doesn't think the same way as you is going to be is going to be strengthened in their opinion throughout your term. And then they're going to probably bring some people that are maybe around the middle to their side because they see the issues of that, too. And that's what I mean by the pendulum. It just seems like maybe the middle changes. So whether it's having a multi-party system, not just a two-party system, I don't know what the the solution is for the U.S., but even in Canada, it also seems we're getting to this point. It's almost the exact opposite, where we have a charismatic leader, but it's it's this. I I love the acceptance, and I believe in this in having our cultures represented, and all peoples should feel safe and have opportunities. And I completely believe in that. But there's a point where there's a point where it's detrimental to society. And it's finding where that is. Uh, that's maybe an unpopular opinion. But yeah, it's finding the right way to progress forward that we can be successful and together as a country and not at each other's throats for, I don't know, the gender pronouns thing seems crazy too. But so it's what's the right way forward? How do we get there? And let's let's build that. And let's let's be accepting of people but there's also a limit to certain things i honestly i think all of that is too much for one person i think you can put anyone in the seat of prime minister or as a president and their people will turn on them right because they will never be able to do enough for people have their own problems they want their personal problems to be solved and you can solve one problem, but there'll be 10 other problems that come from that. Yeah. Other people, right? So it's always going to be too much for one person. And so, and you see this with Trudeau too. And like, uh, what was the, was it the huge hydro bills that were happening in Ontario and people unable to pay their bills in Northern Ontario and th- everything like that. And everyone wanted Trudeau, they wanted Trudeau to fix it. But like Trudeau's like, well, we got to look at the bigger picture, right? If we do this, then everyone else has to pay more. Yeah. Right? It's not something, it's just on the provincial level, not on the federal level. And it's 
then and then he gets he gets attacked for it right so just things like that i don't know i'm not saying trudeau is perfect and i don't think anyone's perfect everyone's bound to make mistakes especially in a leadership role everyone has to make a big promises in order to get to that leadership role but they're not going to be able to keep all of those promises maybe one or two to some extent but those promises too are not going to make other people happy that's just the endless cycle right this constant battle of yeah. of trying to progress forward trying to do good in the world and that's the thing about all these leaders is they're trying to do make their change the way that they see fit unfortunately there's a lot of different ways you can see and envision your country or the future of business or whatever it yeah. is there's a lot of ways you can envision that and it seems that we're being I wanted to get into it today. I think we'll, we'll maybe save it for another time. But you look at environmental issues. You look at um, all sorts of just big business getting bigger and the dangers of that as well. We see like these monoliths, these monopolies like Amazon and Google and, and Ikeas and whatever it is, but these places taking over. And they're becoming almost as big as governments in their own sense, though just the fact the money that they bring in and the kind of influence yeah. that they have on people and the access to information that they have as well, where even our phones are, they, they know what you're up to, <laughs> which is a crazy thing that we've never really had to deal with throughout history before. So I maybe wanted to get into one more subject before we call this first podcast today, because sure. I'm sure we're long over. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're doing all right. That's going to happen. So I wanted to talk about vision because it's something that I've found just really important and something that I've considered lately more so than ever before. So the question I wanted to ask you both is what is the vision for you that you have for your own life? And what is the ideal successful or happy life in your eyes? And maybe how you mm. plan to get there. Down for this one, too. Oh, you came prepared. Well, <laughs> somewhat prepared. Um, if someone else wants to go first, by all means, I have to gather words in my head and make them make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of put me on the spot here. But uh, I guess uh, my vision for my life um, would be to kind of find, um, be to find satisfaction, um, whether it, you know, like in my... Uh, both in work and in life, um, you know, um, as you were talking about before, you know, if, if you, if you don't know where you are, you know, then, you know, then you should decide on how to get there. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm, you know, it's kind of what I'm leaning at. Um, just kind of trying to figure out where I want to be, like what I want to do for career wise and kind of lay out the steps that I need to get there and uh and also what you want from life as well and and what I want from life and then you know the other things like would be to have a successful relationship and yeah I completely see eye to eye with that and and that's something that I look at in my own life too I'll say something that's been helpful to me personally I developed a vision board which I never thought I'd be somebody with a vision board and I would kind of laugh at it, likely at previous points in my life as well. But I decided to develop a vision board and it was literally, it's almost a collage just of pictures 
And it's, I don't take it as, you know, I need exactly what's in that picture, but it's just something to aim towards that I look at every morning. It's just on my wall. It's just a printed page, but I have everything that I, the bare minimum and also just the ideal life that I want to live on there. And I can, I can actually bring it up for myself so that I know what it is, but I could recite it, I think, <laughs> picture for picture. Uh, basically, one of them is today I will be the best version of me. And it's just a quote, but it's just that ideal of, okay, if I'm doing the best I can every day, it means I'm getting better, I'm getting closer to where I want to be, and it means I'm being successful in whatever capacity. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. The second one is, it's almost two hands shaking, but it's more of a grab of the wrist. But it, to me, it's just the hand up, helping people, and not, not the handout. And I think there's a distinction there, too, because we, I see us living a lot in a handout country where it's, we, you throw money at a problem and you hope it goes away. Right. Whereas when you actually give someone a hand up and help build them up, it makes that much more of a profound difference. So I see that through, through sport and recreation, I see that. Uh, but I also see that on different planes as well. So just inspiring people to take action and to be in charge of their lives and to build their lives better. I want to be part of that process. And I, I believe I found the way that I'm most effective at doing that, especially through, through sport. But now it's these other passions as well. So my next two on the list, there's a microphone and a stage, uh, which funny enough, it looks like we're, we're here in a certain sense, but I've also tried a couple of different ways of, of doing this as well, which includes music. So I'd like to say I'm performing regularly at a local coffee shop, but I've taken a little hiatus trying to get the rest of the things on this board ticked off. So, which ticked off, not in the anger sense, but click the boxes. So that's been really a, a fun process for me. I've always been passionate about music and found that it can be so inspirational and it, and that it's part of my family. My, my grandfather played the trumpet through his whole life and sang in band. So it's in a strange way now that he's passed on, I feel more connected to him. There's just so many great things that that's lent itself to. And I've tried comedy. I do want to go back to it. I, I definitely bombed the one time I did it. But uh, I'm passionate about it, but feel that I don't have the necessary, necessary time to put into tackling what's, what was a bigger, which is a bigger climb than I initially expected. So between the three, those two in podcasting, it seems that kind of got that entertainer sense uh, going, which is something that I, that I really wanted to develop with myself. The fourth or the fifth picture is a picture of a gray tabby cat because I've lived with a cat before. And I just, I, it's nice to have that unconditional love and just some, something to go home to each day that you can call your own, but that relies on you, but it's that reciprocal uh, just love, really. Mm-hmm. The next picture is a condo, and there's nothing really, not that it's not special, but yeah, dark hardwood wood floors, an island kitchen, kind of an open uh, room with natural lighting. But just to me, it, to me that looks like home. And I just can't wait to be at that point where I have my own space to, to call my own and to be be- beautiful and to, and to dress up the way I want. 
as in buy pictures and make beautiful. The next one is a blue Mustang car, baby blue, recent edition, so 2018, hopefully, but I'd kind of be open to a classic Mustang as well. I might get away from that because I do eventually want a Tesla. I do believe in having more of a green, uh, green footprint, green footprint, which Mustangs kind of on the opposite end. Really all that means is a vehicle that I want to drive and that I would enjoy being in. And Teslas are nice. I, I actually completely agree. Teslas are beautiful cars and they're going to make affordable ones in the near future too. So I think people think electric cars. I think of like Priuses and very compact, ugly looking yeah. blocky cars. I've, I've driven in a Nissan Leaf. I've parked it a couple of times. The, the strangest thing is there's an on button. So you don't hear the engine start up yeah, no and you don't parts, think right? of how, how, much you're going to react to that but i went this isn't a car it doesn't make the same noises it doesn't it goes beep and it's on and you're you're even confused if it's on at all but uh yeah so the you can have um is it tesla that does this or is this another car company you can mimic the sound of a car and in it um. <laughs> yeah, to make it feel more real, and the the feedback you can change the feedback on the steering wheel to so it's not so smooth and unrealistic. If you want more force on it, well, we'll have self driving cars soon. Yeah, sleep in the back seat. <laughs> we'll, we'll turn it over to you right away. My last picture is lights the Canadian singer songwriter. I've had a crush on her since I, about <laughs> 2010. I always said I'd get there for the first divorce, which is probably a very Grim outlook on <laughs> a grim outlook on relationships. <laughs> Mostly a joke. Funny enough, she's here, I believe, at the end of the month, maybe maybe early next month, and I'm, I'm still considering going to see her. But really, it's a woman that I find beautiful and that I want to be with, and that that shares the same interests and passions as I'm I do. I'm just I'm imagining you in the front row, be like, "Marry me, marry me." Well, I went to her concert once, sign. and I was probably the oldest person there when I was 20. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. It was a bunch of preteens. I think even she was a little bit. But I sang along to every song, and I was just <laughs> in this back part. At one point, we made eye contact. Not as close contact as myself and Salami Gomez, a.k.a. Selena Gomez, but I call her <laughs> Salami. Um, but, yes, we did make eye contact. So I always think that because she made eye contact with me, she knows I'm a human being. That means I have a 0.01 chance of this dream happening. <laughs> Because it's better than 0%. She knows I exist. But, did you, uh, did you wink fine. back? Or did you wink when she made eye contact with you? I, I think I was, I was starstruck. taken away. I was starstruck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, I was singing along and I was doing my best Freddie Mercury impression and, and having some fun. But <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my vision board. So I'd actually say if you want to figure it out, you have to spend that like- time thinking about it and just just it, it's that visual representation of what you want to accomplish. I like that idea. It's very nice. I'll have to uh, take that into consideration because yeah, I'm, that's definitely a good idea. I'm very torn in my idea of success and where my life wants to go sometimes, and I always have this like sometimes very American dream of it, <laughs> and I think of like the two kids, the dog, the two-story house, and the wife, right? And I'm like, I, I there's some sort of comfort in in thinking about that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if 
but like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I specifically want to do with my life? Not, not what do I want to have materialistically and family wise. Um, and in terms of that, like, I feel like that would make, bring me to a point where I'm moving around a lot and going around a lot. And so that's, that's being a filmmaker slash director. Like that's my end goal. End of my life. If I can direct a movie, like a full feature movie, I'd be, I think I could die happy. <laughs> do it. Um, but it's also it's more than that, right? It's um, and, and it's always new things coming my way, and it, it's it, it, my life surprises me all the time, and I love it that way. I never thought fitness would be a part of it. Never in my life would I have thought fitness be part of my life, and um, neither did I think I would fall in love with lifting weights. And here I am, like, and 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 my my love of film is still there, and I learned to love theater along the way too. And so it's like, well, how do I fit all these things together? And it's like, well. How do I, what do I really want to do more than anything else? And I, I had to sit down and think about this and it took years to come up with this. And it's like, I want to help. And I, I, I think back to what the story I told about how I punched that hole in the wall and that, that, that moment of change. And I really want to help people realize that they can change for the better, that they're not stuck doing what they want to do. And, and I would love to use my what I've learned and what I will continue to learn in film and fitness and theater to do that and um, eventually make content um, appropriate to, to help people develop themselves. And I think my idea of success is that. But it also runs into the idea of what we were talking about earlier and to never be comfortable. I never want to be comfortable doing something to the point where it's just like, hey, I'm here and I'm just going to stay here for the rest of my life. I always want there to be something more. I want there to be a dream to chase after. And I know a lot of people may disagree with me in that. And then like, well, at some point in your life, don't you just want to settle down and just find your niche? And like, no, I don't actually. I actually, I want there to be always a challenge. I want there to be this overwhelming obstacle to overcome yeah. because it may, means there's work to be done. And I feel like there should always be work to be done until, and, and maybe this will change as life goes on until the day I die. Yeah. And, and hopefully then I can pass that work on to someone else. That's a great outlook. I really think it's breaking down that big goal into smaller goals. So it's just working towards, yeah, you have, and it's nice to have multiple goals. And I would say things that push you in different ways, but there is that overarching goal where it's, yeah. and I think part of the reason I, we relate so well and we connect is I think we both, sense that we have a voice and we want, <laughs> yeah. but we want to make a difference. And, and yet it seems that there's so many blanks that we're trying to fill in. Yeah. And even Colin as well, there's so many blanks where it's, you want to figure out exactly how to get there. And so it's just like, it's, it's that ladder. It's just climbing it and, and making sure that we're pushing ourselves. And it's like, sometimes it doesn't end up being exactly that perfect life that you want. And I think, it's nice to be open to that, where it's you might get pushed in a different, whoop, might get pushed in a different direction. Of course, that's the first time I hit the little mic pop stand. Um, but yeah, so it's it's breaking down that big goal into smaller ones, heading towards it, and figuring out exactly what you want from life, and and get there. And yeah. that's why it's a constant battle because as soon as you're there, there's a new there. There's, you can set your heights higher or 
maybe in a different realm, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, it, I feel like there always should be, right? Like yeah. You, along the way, you're going to discover more about yourself. You're going to discover new things in life that you like doing. And it's going to add on to the experience. should be the way it is, right? Yeah. It's all about the journey, man. What about you, Colin? Totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So maybe the, the closing thoughts for the day... We'll talk a little bit about future plans for the Be The Change group, maybe about this podcast in general as well. Uh, I'll talk quickly about maybe my plans for the Be The Change group and some of the things that we've talked about. Uh, That includes volunteering. So we do want to make a a direct impact in the community in some sense. Uh, I've looked at some different ways that we can do this, hopefully volunteering for one of those events that's a hand up that we can help people and make a change and Maybe it's a a fundraising thing. So I've reached out to a couple local not-for-profits and a couple local groups to see uh, what could be an effective way we could do that. Obviously going to continue with the discussion group, which if you're interested in in Winnipeg, uh, you can look that up on meetup.com. It's Be the Change, uh, Winnipeg's Young Professionals Society. Uh, And also, we're always open to new things too, so there's kind of no end I see to this as well but the podcasting i'm actually excited this has been a great conversation we're only going to get better from here too of course so we'll we'll work on that and hopefully get some video together for this too that we can include with our podcasts things like social media will likely start as well uh and then even guests too so bringing in some people some successful young professionals or people that are making change within the community Uh, or just have an amazing story to tell. Uh, I'm excited to get people like that in here and talk to them and listen to their stories and see what we can learn together. So that's my future plans. Anybody else have anything exciting to report? Honestly, just trying to get, yeah, video. Video would be huge. Um, Getting the mics working properly. So I'm hoping everything is going smoothly on the other end, I can only see the the levels bar going up and down. I'm like, hopefully, yes, it's picking I up audio. Hit the top yet? <laughs> Probably a couple times. But I get I get a little bit loud. This is the way I've learned how to communicate just, in my life. Just constant improvement on overall. Yeah, uh, on and just things. hoping that we can help others that have our right. same that have our same issues and struggles, and we can reach an audience that that we can make that change. That we can make positive. that difference for. Couldn't have said it better myself. On that note. That's episode one. Be the change. Peace out. Bye. Au revoir.